Welcome to the Social Propertypreneur Podcast. And here is your host, social media queen, property investor, and entrepreneur, Laura Muse. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the live social media uh, propertypreneur podcast with me, Laura Muse. Um, today, I am joined with Craig Phillips, who I've known for quite a while. So I've known Craig since the beginning of my journey, which we've got a funny story to tell you about that. Um, <laughs> But Craig, um, used to be in the Navy, now he does new builds, um, he does incredible things in property, and he's going to be sharing that with us today, so welcome Mr. Craig Phillips. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about round of applause, but cheers for having me on here. <laughs> Everyone gets a round of applause, Craig. Uh, it's not just me then, no, right. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, good, good. Um, just, just keeping busy, to be honest. I mean, the whole situation with the world at the minute has just gone crazy, but for some reason or, or just the way it happens we've just been really 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 busy so it's just about juggling lots of things which i'm sure we'll talk about and it's it's just been crazy we've done some really good things and we've we've struggled in other places so yeah more than happy to share everything well before you do can you just tell the people a little bit about your background kind of where you were how you got into property kind of what was that trigger point to think you're going to do it going to property full-time yeah yeah so i i would Basically, I lived in Oldham and I, I was working in a factory and I just decided, no, I don't fancy doing this for the rest of my life. I, I can do a little bit better. So I joined the military. Uh, I was in the Navy for about 10 years, more or less to the day. Um, and during that time, uh, just went around, saw the world, did some really cool stuff. But unfortunately for us, when I was in the Navy, it was just before 9-11. So 9-11 happened and then the whole, whole world changed in it. So I spent a lot of time out in the Gulf constantly in the Gulf and stuff so did loads of stuff out there um did get to the Far East a couple of times so got some stories about there but not on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> no way um that's another podcast <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and and then I basically I got headhunted and I ended up working for a couple of government agencies and just just did that for about 10 years as well but during that time frame because I was employed by the Americans I thought I'm a bit nervous because Donald Trump was starting to come in and he was starting to say like American jobs for American people. And I was like, well, I'm an American, I'm in an American billet. So I'm getting paid by the Americans as a Brit. So I was like, I've got to start looking for something else. So I just started dabbling in property. I mean, we'd had a few buy-to-lets anyway. Um, And when I moved from the Navy over to Harrogate, we kind of rented some out and we just made loads of mistakes, Uh, rented it to friends all that kind of stuff spent like 14 grand on a back garden renovation (laughs) (laughs) it makes you cringe (laughs) it does it does it's absolutely manic but we just made some really expensive mistakes and I was like okay if I'm going to do this properly and professionally then we're going to go and get educated so that's what we did we went to a couple of companies um and we eventually went to progressive that was our like second company we went to and we did some stuff with them did their mentoring packages and things like that and, and it's kind of just taken off from there really cool so yeah. how long have you been how long have you been doing it full time um well it dep- depends on it i mean what's full time when you're talking property i mean there's like 27 hours a day nine days a week in it it's just <laughs> nuts. so um i would say that i first invested in property back in 2003 with some of the buy to lets and well our first house that we bought that we now rent out and we've still got um and i'd say we started in july 2016 i went on my first course on my first 
yeah, my first little trickle down event that you end up going to one event and then another and then another. <laughs> um, but that was with a different company. So yeah, 2016. And then I think I was, it's so a relatively, relatively new to it, to be honest. And there's people who've been watching this who've been doing it for years and years. I just think that maybe, and what you find is in these kind of property environments, there seems to be a lot of ex-military around or current military. There's tons of them. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's because when the proverbial hits the fan, a lot of, there's a lot of um, perseverance and kind of grit and determination. And I just think that maybe they've got used to just doing things under yeah. stressful environments um, and then they just get on with it. Whereas a, I'm not, I'm not saying, obviously there's people who've not been in the military who can do that as well. I'm just saying it seems to just be a more common trait in their character and they just get on with it. And I think that helps sometimes, as you know, Laura, you and James have been through some ups and downs as well. And, and I've not been in the military though. No, no, no. no. But what I'm, what I'm saying my is... My grit's just been going from living with my husband. Well, I talk to James more than I talk to you and I, I think it's the other way around. Probably. Yeah. But um, I think that's what it is. I think a lot of successful people, I would say, in property anyway, just have this uh, the perseverance to get through the hard times yeah. when it's very, very easy just to say, you know what, I give up. I'm fed up with it. I can't do it anymore because no matter, even if it's a buy to let or it's trying to build 42 apartments or something, there's always something that comes up that's just like, yeah. where did that come from? And it's just, there's so many times you can kind of get kicked in the stomach. And it's like, but like I said, it's just perseverance and taking action that gets you through it. No, and I do, I do completely agree with you. I mean, obviously we met at the very beginning of my property journey. Should we share a little story? It's incorrect, but I'll it's let you tell incorrect. it. It's incorrect. I'll let you say it for the audience anyway. You can just make it up, just go for it and I'll just agree with it. Okay. So um, I, I attended my first property course in September 18. And on the evening, I went, we went to dinner and I was sat opposite Craig. And I was saying to Craig, you must see, you know, you must be able to identify people who are going to make it in the room and people who are. And Craig went, oh, yeah, there's that person over there, and there's James. I didn't really notice you, though. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, from that day on, I thought, you will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll prove to you. I'll, I'll prove, prove to you. That, you. Yeah, exactly. But, for, things, uh, yeah. but for you to say, I didn't notice you, with somebody who's got a bigger personality as you and is basically as loud as you, that's absolute rubbish and there's no way, no way, that's not possible. No, no, because at that time, I didn't know anything about property, I hardly said anything, so oh, right. I kind of get that, but I did think, I'll show you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stick this. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. So you do quite a few different things, a few different strategies. Can you tell me... Tell well, tell us about them and what you've been up to recently and yeah, how yes. it's developed really. Because it's developed quickly in a very well, it's developed a lot in a very short period of time. Yeah, I mean, for for me, it feels like ages because <laughs> when you're dealing with it day after day after day, and it's like, and it kind of grinds it, and you think, oh my god. So when you just think like, what is it? Four years? Well, basically four years now, and you think. Um, it just seems to have taken absolutely forever. But when you speak to people who've been in the, in the, in the, in the property world for like 20, 30 years, they think four years, you're, you're a newbie, which is, which is right. Cause you always find that level, don't you? Where you don't know anything, no matter where you are, you find that level and you're like, Oh my God, I need some help. But I started off, um, I had no money in the bank. I started deal um, deal sourcing. It was, it was tough. I didn't like it um, because you kiss a lot of frogs and then it was, 
for me personally, I just wasn't right for it. Um, there's people I know that are amazing deal sources and deal packages and stuff. So I've got no complaints was as long as they're like doing it properly and they're doing it like compliantly and stuff. But it was just, I was working full time as well at the time. So you know what it's like, it's just doing viewings in the evening and, and it was just tough. And I thought this is too slow for me. So again, I was worried about my contract. So I thought I need something bigger. Um, I got to look at a site and about the time I joined the VIP program. So I went to look at a site or, or something I was going to package to somebody else. And it was, um, it was like a, a couple of prefabbed units that had been left to rack and ruin or something. Anyway, long story short, because I don't want to take too much time, is the fact that I decided that I was going to have a go at developing. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my God. So the people, so I will always give, like, give a shout out to people who helped me. So like, I got up on stage at the VIP thing, you know, when they used to do the deal sourcing, yeah. oh, sorry, the deal. Um, uh, deal clinic. Yeah, deal clinic. Um, so I got on there and I was doing that and I was like, to be honest, I don't know what I've got. And somebody gave me a card um, and he said, just speak to, to Cal. And it was Cal Candola yeah. and, and she's got this like amazing team based down in Leicester and I, she plugged me into their architects there. It was just, we were going to initially do SIPs because there was a, a SIP element there and we were going through planning. We got refused planning. We finally got planning. We had to do two option agreements across two different sites and merge them together. It, it was basically, it was horrific and it just took forever, absolutely forever. Um, learned a lot, frustrated a lot of people, borrowed a lot of money. Um, because as you know, developments, when the upfront costs and what a lot of people don't realize is even to get going, you've got to be like, we could throw any number, like, let's just say 20 grand. You could need 20 grand to get going with your architect's fees, your planning consultants and everything, your, your surveys, everything like that. And it was just like, the more and more I got into it, like I felt like the deeper into trouble I was getting. I mean, we turned it around and everything worked out well in the end, but it was that kind of, that's where I was my trajectory was so we started doing that and like I said Cal and the team were amazing um, and then it was a matter of just doing other things so I got talking to a builder um, <laughs> and that that we set up a development company we're doing some flips and stuff in there and then we kind of parted ways just because we wanted different things I wanted he wanted to be quite like local and yeah. renovations and stuff and I just wanted something big and I wanted to build a company and it was at that point. So then I went and acquired a site in York for like 450 grand or something to go and build four houses. Uh, speaking to Michael Primrose, he, he started all the finance for me and then I got investor financing there and stuff. So before you knew it, I had two sites that were kind of starting and then I started learning about pre-commencement conditions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then having to go from one lending product to another and valuations and downvals and, and everything that comes along with that. Um, but in the meantime, it's like, well, I need, I need to obviously do um, a cash flow income as a cash flow strategy as well. So we started just doing some more buy to let's start dip my toes into service departments a little bit. <laughs> Everybody does. Right. I mean, and we, we did. Well, yeah. you know that story. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not here to criticize any strategy because they all work. If it's right for you, that's it. Um, so I dipped my toes into it and you, with SA, you either do it big or you don't do it at all. It's not profitable in the middle. You've got to, you've got to kind of uh, scale that and you've got to like get cleaning companies in and your linens and all that. If you're trying to do it on your own and your own cleans running around, it's a nightmare. So we decided that it's probably not going to be for us. 
and especially when I was doing things like you, you do a development site and you think right what's how much do I earn from my SA unit maybe a grand a month after costs in in a good month right yeah. so uh, and I know there's people out there doing better than that but anyway I, for, I can talk about yeah. my numbers and then you think all right then but if I get a development site and I can give myself a finder's fee and I can pay myself like a project director's fee out of the finance book, put it up front and pay myself a grand a month and stuff. And it's like, what? So for me, it was like, I'm just going to do that. No brainer. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm going to go away. I'm going to go and pay myself all these fees quite legally. I mean, legally, as long as the lenders agree to it, obviously. Um, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to go and make 200 and 300 grand a site instead without having to clean and going to minging beds and stuff on. <laughs> <laughs> when, when the cleaner said they can't turn up because somebody's locked the keys in the office or something stupid like that. So, um, and we just got on with it. So, and it was at that time then that uh, I decided that I was going to have to build a company and do it properly. So not just a strategy, but build like a proper property company. Yeah. So we had different elements of it. We've got the dev, the development company. We've got the, um, the we've got a company for flips. Um, we've got a company that's got portfolios in it. We buy portfolios now, which is which is quite handy to do, especially when they're already cash flowing. You can prove ASTs. You can do all that kind of stuff. It's really good. Um, so we've got a few strategies around that. Yeah, and then and then I learned about debentures. So <laughs> so so when I wanted like a holding company and two SPVs, one for holding, one for trading. And then somebody puts a debenture against one of your companies. So you have to set up another company. And before you know it, you've got five companies wide. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So it's, it's just that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah. So now we're in a pretty good space. Um, yeah. We're doing all right. Well, talk to me a little bit more about your team. Because you, you've got a really powerful team around you that you work with. Like, obviously, when people first start, in, start out in property, that's one of the hurdles could you just talk through that and yeah, kind of how so, that come around? Because, you know, there's some real power players in that group of people. Yeah, and I'll mention them all by, uh, by name as well. So it's, I mean, because I'm quite open and honest. I mean, when people say that, the, I mean, I set the company up and I, I was in a partnership with, a, with a Tom, a builder friend of mine, and obviously that didn't quite work out. So it's just started being mine again. And I thought, right, I need to, the temptation is to go and try and do everything yourself. But you can't be a master at everything. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's difficult to be good at one thing, never mind seven. So I was like, I need to plug these gaps. So I identified weaknesses in my, in my skill set. And I thought, right, what do I need? So mine is definitely, a weakness of mine is definitely numbers. Definitely numbers. I'm just not, I'm not into spreadsheets. I'm not into that. So we went and got a guy called Steve Wallace. He's, um, he was an ex-risk uh, assessor for a Maltese bank. He worked in London for years and years. He became a non-executive director and a shareholder in the company. Right. Um, I, needed, I needed proof of concept. I needed um, somebody who'd been doing it for a long time. So there's a guy, a mentor of mine called John Philbin. So he's been doing it for years. You know John, right? So yeah. he's been doing it for like 30 years. He's got a big portfolio. He knows his stuff. He's a wheeler dealer kind of. He just does deals all the time. So he was, he's been my sounding board really. Um, and then I thought, right, we need, I need another builder, obviously. So we got a guy called Noel Minikin in who's lo who's local to Harrogate. Um, he's a contractor that has his own contracting company. He's a shareholder. Um, and one of the things I did want, I wanted people to be shareholders in the company. I didn't want them just to be there being paid as a consultant or anything. 
Yeah, because I wanted them to have a vested interest in the company. Yeah. So everybody that we've got involved in our company is a shareholder. So that we're all pushing the same way. Uh, we've got a guy called Jim Kane, who's local to Harrogate. Um, he does a lot of networking and he's got, um, like he used to run a, a marketing company in Dubai. So he's got a network out in Dubai and he's just, he's just a really lovely bloke who just can connect people. Um, we're currently going through a project at the minute where I just left him in charge of it and he's doing really, really well. So he's, that's um, a project to build a, a, buy a plot of land with planning for four four units it's going to work out really well but Jim's taking the lead with that and he's talking to my account and my solicitors and stuff so it's really it's really good um we've got a guy called Jonathan Millay who used to be the like a a land buyer for Dutchy Homes for McCarthy and Stone Uh, I think there's another local one about I always forget but McCarthy and Stone are the bigger ones so he's got the ear of like the MDs and things of the big companies and he just brings us opportunities all the time we've got Michael Michael Primrose is a shareholder and a director now, so our funding's um, looked after. So it's just, it's just, it really is, it really is great who we've got around that table um, or around the Zoom call at the minute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> around the table, right? So uh, if you if you look at the company as, as like from an outsider, you think right. So buildings covered. You've got your networking more or less covered. Your finances, both risk assessment and your brokering's covered. You've got proof of concept and and like an old head with with john and stuff who's been doing it for years so and then you've got me who's a, just the gobby guy at the front who just makes things happen <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's all i do i talk and i just do stuff i have no i have no other skills apart from that that's it well you've managed to pull that people a group of people around my table so i think you're uh, you're good at something <laughs> <laughs> bribery Jim, what's your obviously um for a lot of new people, like we've already kind of touched on this, a lot of people don't follow it through. They kind of try it for a few months and kind of put it to the wayside. They just don't have, maybe they get up and go to sustain it or whatever that reason might be. Yeah. What's your advice to newbies getting into property? What would you advise them to do and what not to do? Um, I would say if you're going to look at a strategy, because everybody talks about doing specific strategies is look at a strategy and find out what you're actually going to enjoy doing. I think me and you have both been down the rabbit holes of I'm doing something purely for money. And then you find out you absolutely hate it and you can't get out of it quick enough, but you've signed a three year company let agreement and you're stuck in it for three years. Um, not saying that that's happened, but, Um, I, I would say that find something that you're, you're passionate about. Find something that you will really enjoy. If you don't enjoy the stress, don't do developments. Um, if you don't like running around, I wouldn't do SA. But then again, if you're a systems person and you enjoy putting systems and processes and everything in place, and I'm not one of those people, then SA can really work for you. If you're able to do – I've seen some amazing people do some amazing things with regards to – on a computer and everything's clicked and automated and cleaners get and I was like I just can't I don't have the inclination to do that I would say if you're brand new and you've never done anything at all it's not it's not never compare yourself to somebody else and I would say just cut your teeth on something really small because you might not like it so let's just say you've got a couple of grand saved up and you want to do one buy to let and ballpark figures let's just say it's a hundred grand buy to let in Oldham right so you can get them day in day out 550 quid a month 600 quid a month two up two down nice and easy it just makes sense 
So you can realistically, even if you're not trying to do anything fancy, you're just doing like, a, just putting money in and leaving it. So you put 20 grand in, 25 grand in and leave it there. Just go through the mechanics of doing it. Yeah. Speaking to solicitors, getting your surveys done, speaking to accountants, setting up a limited company. I mean, and if you, if you can't do that, property's not going to be for you for the long run or pay somebody else to do it. If you want to do it and you've got a bit of cash, pay somebody else to do it. If you don't want to do those things, yeah. I would just say, just cut your teeth on something small first. Don't do what I did and start a development after, after, packaging, <laughs> after packaging about two deals. <laughs> it's absolutely nightmare. Though, we'd bought, before we even went to Progressive or anything, uh, two vitalettes, James did a new build, two shops, two flats, like just straight in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you've got the advantage on what you always I mean we've spoken about this as well is uh, James sits in the background but James has got like such an amazing kind of um, uh, history and experience of doing this for years and years and years and we talked about this didn't we, we said you should leverage that more often as well so I mean you, I am trying my best to get him to do things Craig but you know what it's like <laughs> uh, it's like pushing a rubbish. <laughs> it's like no no you do that bit I'll do the figures and the builds <laughs> Because you know what he'll be like, now he'll be watching this, he's like, ah, bloody do, not. <laughs> the surprise not banging on the window. <laughs> um, uh, so obviously we're going to have to talk about what's currently been happening. Obviously now the property market is back up and running. How has it affected your business? What have you managed to keep going on with and what's kind of stalled a little bit? Do you mind trying to do that? Yeah, and like I said, it's always the rough of the smooth. I just like to tell people exactly it is because it's like everybody... Everybody always like, it's like gamblers, isn't it? They always tell you when they win. They never tell you when they lose. It's true, right? So so what happened when COVID hit, we were about two weeks, I would say, well, probably ask Michael Primos, but I was about two weeks away from potentially securing my dev finance on one of my sites. Uh, we were on a bridge and we were ready. We were trying to get into it. And then obviously everything just shut down. So then... So then we went over the, the bridge end. In fact, I think we'd already gone over the bridge and we were servicing the debt, but the bridging company were happy with the fact that we were trying to get through the debt finance. Um, so then we had to, so that shut down. Valuations just weren't happening. I couldn't get anybody in. And then we were just kind of left in limbo. Um, in the meantime, we've managed to put that onto another bridging product, So we've, which is not a good thing because, I mean, obviously the, the costs incurred in that. Are, but... What we couldn't afford to do was have the, the initial bridging company calling that debt. So we had to, and it was like, it's going to cost you X about thousands of pounds in order to get it over the line and get yourself some, just some breathing space. So we had to do that. And we've done that during COVID. Um, we initially shut down all our sites as everybody did when the government gave that those warnings. And then um, it was because we lose a lot of subcontractors. We use both contract on the, on the bigger sites, we've got main contractors and on the smaller sites, we've got subcontractors. And we quickly realized all the subcontractors have been telling the government that they've been earning £7,000 a year for the last 12 years. So, so they weren't able to kind of claim anything. So they were desperate to work. So I was a little bit nervous about it because um, you always want to be seen to do the right thing. So we initially shut down the site and then they were basically saying, no, we, we want to get back, get to work and everything. So we then bought an additional, um, what do you call it, welfare unit to put on the site to give space and everything in order to do that. That cost me about 1,650 quid or something. <laughs> but uh, we did that. Um, and that site, that site stayed, stayed going on. Obviously, they had the choice of coming to work 
or going home. Yeah. And we probably lost about half the manpower, right. um, which is fair enough. But the ones who wanted to be there, they did the social distancing. We still had a, um, what do you call it, a QS come out during, during the thing for our debt finance tranche payment. Um, she came around, we did the dev, we did the social distancing and things like that. So it was, it's like everything in it. You just find out what we people are willing to do, yeah. try and do things, well, do things legally and then just get on with it. No, so that, those have been the negative things. Another one was, we was, another negative thing was we were just starting the process of refinancing 14 units, um, and obviously the loan to values went from, well, we were trying to get as much money out as we could. So we were looking for 75 to 80% loan to value, yeah. quite highly geared, but we'd only purchased them recently. So um, we were going to do that. And then all of a sudden the loan to values were like 60% of purchase price, not market value. And you're like, it's, it's like what we, get, we were expecting, we were expecting 300 grand to be sat in the bank. And then all of a sudden we're talking about having a shortfall and not being able to pay off the initial borrowing. And it, so it looks like we're all right with that one now. Which so what's good. happened with that one? Is That's just still going through. We're still going through mortgages. I felt sorry for the mortgage broker on that one, um, which, which isn't Michael, because obviously Michael just does commercial finance. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a proper, uh, it's a buy-to-let mortgage provider, uh, broker. And it, I felt sorry for him because every day we were trying to get something agreed in principle, like the, AI, the AIPs were coming through. And then they'd change because this lender had stopped. So this lender said no new business for 30 days and things. So he was trying to do structured deals on quicksand, basically. And it was really tough. And it wasn't until, was it, I think it was yesterday. Yesterday, actually, we did the numbers and we actually pulled, pulled the trigger on actually getting those applications in. So that's, take, that's taken a while. Stressful. Um, yeah, stressful, that one. Um, so I those, think you like stress though, because every time I speak to you, you're, you, you're doing some big deal and it's really stressful. <laughs> and it's always to do with finance. <laughs> well, well one, one thing is that whenever you're doing a deal, it's always around finance and it? it's no matter what. It's either your finance, investor finance, or some sort of institutional finance, so it's always stressful. Uh, I completely think you've read me wrong. I do not enjoy it. <laughs> sure you do. <laughs> I must admit, I enjoy doing deals. I enjoy that. I, I enjoy the acquisition part of the deal and structuring it weirdly, um, doing deals with people. I enjoy that. Um, but not the mechanics of actually getting it over the line. I hate that stuff. But because That's I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> but because I'm like, I'm like... I hate saying it, but like the guy in charge and it's like my signatures with, with one or two other directors or whatever having to go through those forms i just wish i could like pay somebody to do it for me but apparently that's not legal so. um but on the other, on the flip side some of the things that have happened that have been good well i do I, without sounding callous i don't mean to sound, sound wrong well, but, positive yeah the positive things have happened while covid has been going on is pref probably the best way to say it is that we agreed a flip it was on the market for three hundred thousand pound it was a probate it already been on the market for a while, and just before COVID hit, we um, we agreed two five eight. So you're talking like forty two thousand pound reduction, and that was before COVID, just because it had been on the market. Um, then we were looking at using a mix of investor funds and some bridging in order to do it, do the refurb, and just sell it. Um, and then it just got. The, the funding got a little bit difficult with regards to how much we'd need to find. You know, you've always need that equity tranche, don't you? You always need that little bit. And we just 
couldn't get it done. So and we had an investor that was originally going to give us like £250,000. And then he said, oh, I'm nervous about it, quite, quite rightly, is obviously. So he reduced it to £200,000. He was like, okay, so we'll just, we'll need to do something else. Uh, and then just before he said, are we still interested? He said, no, I'm not putting any money in. So it's like, okay. Um, so we went then back to the vendors, who's obviously somebody in charge of the probate, the executor of the will or whatever it was. Um, and we said, listen, we can't do 258. We just can't. So we offered them three because we never want to screw anybody over ever because there was enough money in it for us anyway. Yeah. We said, we can't do 258. We just can't get the borrowing against it that we need to get this over the line. Um, so what I said is I'll pay you 220 and I'll do a deferred payment of 38,000 pound for six to eight months. So in six to eight months after we've done the refurb and hopefully sold it or whatever, or we can refinance it, you'll get the extra 38,000. But their solicitor said that recommended against it, legally speaking, because what happens if we went pop, you'd never be able to get the extra money back. So I understand that. So they got told not to do that. We offered them uh, an overage on the profit. Um, but then we told them that you won't get as much as 258 because like you will offer you 220 grand. Yeah. Um, we'll offer you like 10 or 15% of the profit after a certain amount, but you won't get as much. So they weren't keen on that and said, but the only thing we can do then is just offer you less, but we'll give you certainty. So we got it for 230 grand. So, and they took wow. it. I know. Right. So we went from 300,000 down to 258 down to 230. Oh, wow. So, I know, but like I said, but we, we, what I always try to show is I tried to give them options yeah, yeah. before. You tried to give them more money, basically. Yeah, basically, I tried to give them more money, but that's the only way I could do it. Uh, and then I said, the third option is I give you 230 because that's how I might, as much as I can get or I walk away. That's it. It's not because I'm trying to screw anybody over. So we did that. Um, and that's com completes in the next week, I think. Oh, brilliant. Oh, yeah, well yes. Done. Right. So that's good. And then we've just agreed one in in North Yorkshire. I'll say North Yorkshire because it's not, <laughs> not over the line yet. Um, we've we've just agreed a purchase of one where the whole project was a million quid, and we negotiated it down to eight hundred thousand, but four hundred thousand pound up front, and then an option on the second half of the plot. So oh we, wow! So oh, we brilliant. get so we get four hundred, and we get to do what we want, and then there the vendor's actually taking it through planning taking it through planning for us, not at our cost. And then if they get planning, then we'll pay the 400 grand to get theirs as well. But we're under no obligation to buy it. So from a million quid down to 400,000 plus an option on that. <laughs> because we could offer certainty. You're a market trader, I'm <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm rubbish at that. <laughs> yeah. so, so you obviously like doing very creative deals. I, I won't say creative... Yeah, I like, I like showing people that it doesn't have to be black and white. And if you speak yeah. to an accountant or you speak to a solicitor that's been doing it for years, they just think, pay that money and then you get the house. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like that. I love, I love that side of it. So. How do you learn all that? Education or? Hmm. Yeah, Experience? So <laughs> there's, there's, there's education, right? So I don't have any, obviously I thank everybody who's ever taught me anything and I, I various different levels of success um what i will say is education will show you that something can be done and education will show you basically the steps like bullet it's like trying to trying to learn how to drive a car by bullet points yeah that's what i kind of think it's like yes you can drive a car number one number two start the it's like well how do you do that and that's what i find is lacking it's just the bullet points of property investment 
and you get like a little folder and you're like, right, let's go out. And it's like, okay, what happens when my solicitor says that we've got some sort of crazy underwriting or some covenant on the land and stuff that they can't, a, a, a property education company cannot cover everything. It, mm. it can't because you'd be there for seven months on a course. So the only way you can learn is just by doing yeah. and, and just making mistakes and, and kind of falling forward. And, and when you hear about some sort of crazy law or, or when you buy a plot of land that you think you can get planning for, and then you find out there's a main water pipe going right through the middle of it, but you've already bought it. Well, it's like this morning, I had a phone call from an investor that's buying a, just a normal three bed property from us saying that the, the title, the house has got two titles. I've never heard of that before, but it, Somebody touched property, we're like, what? <laughs> Upstairs and downstairs, is that what it is? <laughs> I have no idea. We're like, what? It's like, yeah, I've never heard of it either. <laughs> um, but yeah, you do learn things. Yeah, Every got- day school day. Yeah, well, well, I always use like kind of driving as a good analogy. It's like, because yeah, you you can't sit in next to your driving instructor and sit over and look at them and watch them drive. And then after three months, get in the car and drive. You just can't do it. You've got to go and do something. And that's what I find the, the best mentors and the, and the best kind of consultants or whatever that kind of show you the way. They're the ones that you learn off the most because they're the ones that actually kind of hold your hand through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what you need. Or what I would say is try and try and find somebody that you can kind of sit on the shoulder of and pester, um, go around for site visits as often as you can, yeah. speak to contractors, basically ask people until they tell you to go away. <laughs> I that's that's not yet, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have, I've just not said it to oh, you. Oh, nicely, because you've actually, you've actually launched something yourself. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was more a frustration, to be honest. And I only launched it yesterday. I spent the last two days doing a website, and I've never done a website before myself. And I was like, well, let's just give this a go. And I made mistakes and I did it myself. Um, but it, all it is, is it was just, I get asked quite a bit because obviously when people kind of see you around and they see you doing loads of stuff, they kind of ask for information a lot and it's fine. That's great. But when you're so busy all the time and you always want to help people, what I found is sometimes people want as much information as they can get quite rightly. I've just said it myself, ask people until people tell you to go away. But I can't spend all my time yeah. helping people for nothing. Like I could, Rob Moore says it himself, doesn't he? He's like, know your key result areas, your income generating tasks. And he's like, concentrate on those. And if you, if you was, you'd, I'd be at a business if I just helped everybody who asked and you just can't. So all I set up was, was a, like a small, cons- I've, I've had a consultancy for years anyway, with my old job, I just kept it open. And um, it's just basically, if, if somebody wants to come along and, they, and just think, can I have help with this? It's like, yeah, you can, not a problem at all. Just book in a meeting with me or whatever and we'll just go through it. But what I was keen to do is I didn't want to say I was a mentor and I didn't want to sign anybody up for like 12 month programs or anything like that where people think, oh, I've, I've paid however many thousands of pounds for the year. I'm working. I've got to get down there every Thursday or, or every Friday or whatever per year. Yeah. I didn't want that. I just like book a time, pay for your time. And then you'll get it or whatever. And that's it. And no tie-ins, no nothing. So I just thought it was a little bit different. And I'll just give it a go. It cost me 15 quid to set up a website. So if it don't work, it don't work. I'm not bothered. So I, like <laughs> I think I think the major thing is, and what I say on the website is, um, I'm a property investor and a developer first. And I do it. So I, I did do a bit of maths. And I've got some, some, I've got some numbers for you, Laura. So 
uh, look at this, right? I actually wrote this stuff down. So, uh, so people say like, are you walking the walk or talking the talk? You know, these people who just like maybe say they're doing stuff and they're not doing stuff and, and that sort of thing. So as it currently stands, we've probably got it nice and easy because we were doing developments. So when you're doing a development, you don't actually have rent roll. So we've only got a small rent roll at the minute of around about six and a half thousand pounds. It's not much, but we've got a lot of developments going on. We own about 25 units as it currently stands. And um, I was just looking now, so through some of the numbers and those units, we've got about a portfolio of about 6.4 million pounds. Oh, wow. so, yeah, which is all right, right, in, in whatever, probably in, in the last two years, I would say, not, not in the last four, because I was messing around for two years, running around deal sourcing and doing SA. <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Like I said, it's, it's not, it just wasn't for me. I was, I was not good at it. There's people out there who are great. No, 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 people who are amazing at it, but it just yeah. wasn't for me. It wasn't my, it wasn't my calling, let's just put it that way. <laughs> wasn't my calling. And then, <laughs> yes, and, and then, so I, I just did some maths on this. People always talk about pipeline projects as well. So I can have a pipeline, 100, 100, out, you know, 100 units. The pipeline's not a real pipeline unless you started in legals, I think. So you've actually done, you've done the deal, you're in legals, it's just a matter of time. So our, as it currently stands, our pipeline that is in legals, we're going to have a rent roll by the end of the year of £58,000 a month. Um, yeah, we're going to have a, our property portfolio will be £16,925,000, we'll have 84 units. Oh my God. Yeah, so, but like I said, I, I had to write Thanks about you! <laughs> No, because do you realise how much stuff costs to get <laughs> on the line? It's like nuts. It's um. Get me one G and T. <laughs> do do all they do G and Ts? Do they? <laughs> okay, but that, that's what I want to say. I mean, it's, it's the proof. The proof is in the people that do it, and there are some great mentors out there that are actually doing really, really good stuff. Um, and that's I would always say if you are looking for somebody. Like, if, like this newbie question a, a lot of people get attracted to mentors because mentors can provide stuff that you don't know and i i would say try and find somebody who they can do it and they can prove it and i always find i always try and make somebody cringe i just say i'll say stuff like how many units have you got and they'll like, and if they're cringing or i'll also say where can i find you on company's house because if they're a little bit shifty they don't want you to know that but if they just say, yeah, I've got, I've got 32 units or I've got 74 units and here's my company on company's house and you can go and check it all and stuff, them are the people you want to be going to. No, 100%. Yeah, those are, yeah so ask the awkward questions because the, 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 uh, the dodgy ones don't want you to. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It really if you is. you ask me, you can see it all over social media. <laughs> An absolute social media bomb. Just in the next kind of six to 12 months, Craig, what do you think um, is going to happen to the property market? What's your predictions? Ah, right. So my predictions are based on absolutely nothing other than opinion. Right. So I think potentially that, that a lot of companies will have seen now that the majority of their staff can work from home. So I think potentially a lot of London kind of, people will, there'll be a lot more event along the commuter belt and stuff because they don't actually need to go into central London. A lot of these, so there might be more opportunities in SA in London because there'll be lots of apartments or commercial conversions. I think there'll be a ripple out slowly. So I think around London, as people work from home, the prices may go up there. Yeah. Um, out in North Yorkshire, we tend to not feel it for about four years anyway. So <laughs> God knows what's going to happen. So, 
<laughs> like I was talking like North Yorkshire and he said, what's going to happen in the next, next six months? I'd gone, nope. <laughs> no, it's going to happen. Um, but no, I think, I think uh, a lot of people, I think, I think um, commercial to resi is going to be a big thing, but there's going to be such an appetite for it that could have an adverse effect on the, on the actual, the GDV of your sites, because now there's, let's just say, in Leeds, for argument's sake, all of a sudden, lots of office buildings now become apartments. So where you, you used to be able to buy an apartment, a ballpark figures, 150 grand. Now there's so many of them, now you're at 120 grand. So, but your build costs are gonna remain the same. So it's difficult, isn't it? So who knows? All I'll do is I'll just keep doing deals. That's it, and just see what happens. That's it. <laughs> well, that brings me on nicely to what is next for you? Um, Get these deals, honestly, get these deals finished, done and dusted, because for every day that a solicitor is looking at it, the cost goes up. Uh, I could do with some rent roll coming in. Um, and I think we've got enough to get going. I think we're about, looking at the paper now, I think, I think we're about eight sites. And I think that's enough. We're varying different things, like small flips. Um, I think we've got four that are house built. We've got one uh, barn conversion that we're doing and a few other things. So um, I think... It's a matter of just stopping for a while, getting them finished, getting them secured, get the money in the bank. At the same time, have a quick look about what's going on and then, and then go again for, for 2021, I think, because the majority of our projects will be finished by the end of this year. Yeah. So I would think that would be a good time to reflect. Probably not now because there's too many moving parts for us at the minute. Yeah. So, cool. yeah, that's, that's it. So just finish off, get some cash in the bank. That'd be lovely. <laughs> and the drinks are on you. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> I, I hope you've only got like one viewer on Facebook or something, so they haven't seen that. So the, the drinks are on me. No, neither can I. No. Well, Craig, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm sure people are watching and who's listening to the podcast after will get so much value from that. So thank you.